Hey guys, it's good to be with you um, this Sunday morning. It's unusual yet again. Um, I, I apologize. I, I'm, I'm doing this message in our barn, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, I apologize, though. I'm still feeling the effects of COVID. So if this doesn't come out the best, <laughs> wait till next week. We'll have Rich Stevenson speaking. So, um, But I wanted to share with you a quick message, which I believe the Lord has given me. Um, and I wanted to share it with you from this location because I think it's appropriate. We've already mentioned that we're starting the study of, uh, or we're starting Advent as we move towards Christmas, which is a time of waiting and celebrating the anticipation of Jesus' arrival with the lighting of the candle and the reading of the scripture. And I wanted to use that candle as an image and this place as an image for our situation and how we understand what God is doing in our time. And these are all these messages during Advent are going to be kind of under the loose heading of your light has come. Your light has come. And that the way we are to live now should be informed by the fact that Jesus has come and that he's coming again. And I want to read to you the scripture that that comes from. And it's Isaiah 60, 1 to 3. And it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. The nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so I wanted to do this message here as the sun's going down outside, and we have this light to represent um, our faith in Jesus as it were, in our life. But also the fact that, um, that this very type of location, a barn or a stable, this is, a, in fact, the very place where Jesus himself was born. And we'll get into that. So Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, for your light has come. This is a, this is a prophetic book, a book, the book of Isaiah's prophetic book that talks about Israel and talks about the, the, coming, the future of Israel, um, the, rest, the, kind of, the full picture of what God's kingdom on earth will look like um, through the working of the Messiah, Jesus, and all this sort of thing, um, written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And prophesying things that are even yet to come in our day. And it's about uh, the nation of Israel as it relates in the kingdom of God. But also it gives us a picture of an attitude that we can have in our daily lives. Uh, David Paulson is a Bible teacher. He t says that when you read these prophetic books in the Old Testament, that they both serve as a microscope into what was happening in that day in Israel. But also as a telescope looking to the future. And I think it's a good image for us to use as well, that these are a microscope about what was happening in Israel. It's a microscope about what we can see in our own lives, but it's also a telescope looking forward to what is our hope and what we, how we should conduct ourselves, especially in times, as it says, darkness covers the earth. And we live in a time where darkness still covers the earth and circumstances change and things happen that we don't expect and we maybe don't like. But does God know what he's doing? This is the question. And, and when we look at Advent, the coming of Christmas, the coming of Jesus. This is such a, a serious moment in human history, the inbreaking of God's presence as a human being, Jesus being born. This is a fully God person showing up on the scene. And the way that that looks and the way that people walk through that, would that cause them to, how, how would they interact with that? And then how do we kind of interact with our daily life in a similar way? Because the truth is that we should be arising and shining 
because our light has come. But oftentimes we start to trust the darkness around us more than the light that we carry within. And you see this kind of situation happening with Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, because um, they were literally living out these words. Mary is pregnant with the Messiah, the King of the universe, is in her womb. But the way that all happened and the way that they experienced it uh, might have caused them doubt. And, and I see it in some of these pictures, or you could, I'll just read through some of this. In Luke 2, um, Mary is met with an, by an angel, and the angel says this in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now listen to her response in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And he goes on to explain to her that you're going to be the mother that carries the Messiah and the salvation of the world, which is a great honor and all this sort of thing. But you see in this that just because an angel is talking to her, she's not immediately excited. She's concerned. You know, okay, what's this all about? And I think that so often when God moves in our lives, our first reaction is exactly the same thing. You know, we think that when we see God doing something that we would immediately be like, oh, of course, this is wonderful, and of course, this is great. But so often we find ourselves doubting or confused or just, I'm just not sure sure about this. Like, tell me more. <laughs> and then you see that, again, you have to keep in mind the, the significance of what's happening here. This is Jesus himself being born. And now an angel has told Mary that she's going to have a child, but she's engaged to be married. She's not yet married to Joseph. And so now she's pregnant, yet not married. And in, that, and in the culture, and in any culture, that would that bring shame to the two. And Joseph is concerned about this. Maybe he's not totally sure that this is... An, he's just, I'm going to divorce her quietly. You see this in, the, in Matthew chapter 1, that he says, I, Look, I, li- I really like this girl. I don't know what's happened, but I'm going to divorce her quietly. So now God's enacting his plan in the world to bring Jesus into the world. And he delivers this message with an angel. She's pregnant now. But it's in a way that makes them look really bad. And so Joseph is like, I don't know about this. I'm going to just divorce her quietly, send her away. We don't even make a big deal out of it. But then an angel has to come to him as well and tell him, no, this is in fact God that's doing it. And so what I think we can take from that is that God's activity in our lives, we tend to question. As people, we tend to question it. I don't think Mary and Joseph handled this poorly at all. Mary is a highly favored person. These are the, the two human beings that God chose to be Jesus' parents. So they've got things worked out. They're the right people for the job. And even they struggled with this at the time. And I think that we owe so much more struggle with all the things that God's doing in our lives. And you see Mary um, um, gets encouragement. And God gives encouragement when it's necessary. I mean, an angel comes and tells them about this. And an angel comes and tells Joseph, no, don't divorce her. This is, in fact, my doing. And Mary goes to visit her relative, which is Elizabeth, who happens to be John the Baptist's mother, yet has not, she's still pregnant with John the Baptist. And the baby in the womb leaps at the sound of Mary's voice because the baby knows who, who, who is there. And so um, all of these things start to pile up in Mary's mind, and I will read you a scripture about that in a second. And so, but then you, you've got to just kind of look Again, at the big picture here. So now you see, like in the beginning of Luke 2, it talks about a census being taken because there's taxation purposes. So Mary and Joseph, Mary now pregnant with Jesus, is having to travel back to Joseph's native land, which is Bethlehem, which the prophecies in the Old Testament, like we said, microscope, telescope, 
all the prophecies prophesied that, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so they get there. But the way they get there is so strange because they're responding to the fact that they have to go for taxing. And they have to go there like just common poor people. You know, they have to walk or whatever to get there. And then when they get there, there's so many people visiting from out of town that there's no places left to, to stay, to rent. And you know the story that they end up having to stay in a stable because that's the only place left. And Mary's very pregnant and ends up having Jesus. The God, Jesus the Messiah is born into this earth in a stable. And I think that many of us would at that moment go, I'm not too sure about all this, because if this was in fact God doing it, probably we wouldn't be in a stable. Wouldn't God have his son be born in a nice place, or at least a you know proper place, or something like that, but instead God saw it fit to do this. And again, he confirms that because angels appear to shepherds outside of Bethlehem and tell them what's going on. There's a Messiah that's been born, he's in the stable, and... Go see him, and they do, and they're so excited, and they're telling everybody. And here's what Mary's reaction is, because like people are, they're getting excited. They're so happy that they got to see the Messiah, and they got chosen by God to do that, and the angels came and told them. But it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And here's why I think that matters, is because the, what God is up to is what God is up to. And our opinion of it, or our decision to go along with it or something doesn't always matter as much as we think it does and we may doubt what god is doing we may doubt that god has a plan we may doubt everything but the the fact remains that god is yet good god is yet powerful and god can do anything and so when we put so what ends up happening is we put our faith in our circumstances or as this scripture in isaiah 60 says the darkness that surrounds us we put more faith in that darkness than we do in the light that we carry within us the light of christ And I think that what Mary's experiencing is what we all experience, is that when we treasure and ponder these things in our heart, this light that we carry inside of us causes us to arise and shine no matter what the darkness is. And we're called to arise and shine and put our faith in Jesus no matter what the circumstances around us happen, especially when things don't work out the way we want it, or especially when surprising things happen that don't, you know, they might have surprised us, but they didn't surprise God. I didn't suspect that I would have COVID this week. But it's not like God didn't know that. And it's also not that God can't use it. But we're called to have a, an, an active faith in Jesus. Not a passive faith. And not a simplistic faith. But a faith that literally challenges the darkness around us. The interesting thing about a light is when you shine a light into darkness, there's less darkness. And this kind of light that God has put within us. The future hope of the restoration of all things. The, the healing of our hearts that Jesus brings allows us to live with a light shining within us no matter what the circumstances are around us. And, and the thing is that there's going to be darkness around us. Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That there's going to be darkness. But don't worry, the light that I put within you can overcome that darkness. And I put it within each and every one of you who put your faith in me or put your faith in Jesus. You know what I'm saying. And so Jesus has overcome the world. It's a done deal. There's nothing to worry about. Our job is to arise and shine with that light and the knowledge of what's to come because it's time to shine. It's time to live in that faith. And you see like in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham was called and he left not knowing where he was going. And that's the kind of thing that Jesus is calling us to every day, to walk with him when, he doesn't, when we don't always know where we're going, but he does. 
So our faith is in Him and His knowledge of where we're going. And it's the best way to walk because it anchors us in Him rather than our, ourselves or our circumstances, which is what the darkness that we tend to put our, so much faith in. And in the season of Advent is a time of waiting. Waiting for the Lord to do His thing. Waiting for God to show up. We celebrate that Jesus came. We wait for Him to return and restore all things. And we can put such a hope in that and live with the hope of that happening. Arise and shine, your light has come. And your light is coming. And I, I saw this the other day. Miroslav Volf tweeted this. And he said, Advent is about waiting. But what does it mean to wait? Waiting for the Christ who will come in glory and echoing in our everyday acts the Christ who came in humility. We are, not to, we are to be neither idle nor coercive, but always engaged. I'm going to read that again because I didn't do a very good job. Waiting for the Christ who will come in glory and echoing in everyday acts the Christ who came in humility. We are to be neither idle nor, nor coercive, but always engaged. And this is our calling. To arise and shine, for our light has come. And I always think about this: the cost, um, the costly faith that God is calling us to, to shine our light into the darkness indiscriminately, not worrying about a return on investment. But the same way that Jesus did, that when Jesus stepped into a human body, that there was a cost to that. And I'm not quite sure I fully can explain this or even understand it theologically. I don't mean he diminished himself in any way from being God, or that his glory was diminished, or things like that. But I do mean that it was not um, simplistic. It was costly to him. And I always think of this time of year. I always think of this, the verse in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In the third verse, um, there's a line that it says, Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more shall die. When I think about that, I think about the great cost that Jesus experienced in stepping into our human condition. And through that loving act of what he did in dying in our place, that he overcame sin and death and, allowed, and brought to us freedom. And he showed us the greater love of dying for his friends. And um, I, I think that if we take and ponder those things in our heart, that we'll find ourselves overcome and able to be light bearers in this dark time. And so I want to close with that song. I recorded it a couple years ago um, as part of a Christmas album with Kalani. And I want you to listen to these words about what the angels are singing. About the birth of a newborn king that we get the privilege of worshiping. Jesus Christ who loves us each and every one. And so Father, I pray that you would make that real in us and let us be light bearers. In your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.